Welcome to the Navigating Design and Manufacturing Podcast, powered by AirMed Medical Devices. Listen as host Justin Starbird talks to experts from AirMed about topics relating to design, engineering, manufacturing, assembly, and packaging of medical devices. Air is the Norse goddess of healing and is commonly associated with medical skill. She was regarded as a forge goddess who helped by creating useful and artistic objects instead of weapons. Many who suffered from sickness would climb the mountain on which she resided, and when they returned, they came back healed of all ailments affecting them. Air Med harnesses this spirit of creativity and artistry and their expertise to integrate with the development of devices designed to improve patients' lives. Air Med's diverse experience and knowledge enables the development and manufacturing of advanced medical devices across many markets. You're listening to the Navigating Design and Manufacturing Podcast. Welcome back to this episode of Navigating Device Design and Manufacturing. My name is Justin Starbird. Today, I'm excited to welcome in Robert Williams from AirMed Medical Device. Robert, thanks for joining me today. No problem. So, uh, Robert, we've got a couple of things I wanted to talk about before, before we do. Uh, why don't you give me a little bit of background on, on uh, your role as a project engineer and um, what, you, what you do at AirMed? Well, as a project engineer, usually I'm the first guy after sales to interact with the customer and take a look at their idea or their product and start to evaluate it for feasibility with what we do here, which is injection molding and assembly and see if it's a good fit and start to think about how to make it a reality from 3D files or 2D prints or what napkin sketch, whatever it may be. Great. And what um, what is your your background? You know, prior to to joining Aramed, uh, and you know, what a, what are some of your day to day oversight right now? Well, I graduated from the University of Wisconsin system in the '80s, and I've been bouncing around between what Eastern Minnesota, Western Wisconsin, there's lots of Germans settled here, lots of tool makers. So it's a pretty good place if you have an interest in plastics and injection molding to be. Uh, There's a plethora of tool shops, good tool makers around here from the old country in Germany. And you know, Germans are known for good tool making and been at several companies around here in West Central Wisconsin. I've been here for the last six. I've been in some big, big ones. I've been in some little ones. I seem to like the little ones. I've learned over time. I get to be a little more one-on-one with a customer and understand what's going on more. And I get to see things from the beginning to the end. Whereas some of the big boys, you know, you have your little section that you do and then you kind of lose track of it. You don't really know what happened with that project or what it ended up being successful or whatever. So there's a little more buy-in. And, you know, day to day, that's, that's kind of it, trying to shepherd through a, and take care of people's products and, and sometimes their hopes and dreams or whatever on this project to make it a reality with them. And hopefully they can be a success and then we're successful at the same time. That uh, what you're looking for there? That's good no, no, that's well. perfect. Uh, getting to know you and getting to know, you know, some of the experiences you've had you know in speaking with with rick previously and and other colleagues of yours um airmed has a real differentiation in terms of 
you know, how you approach projects, how you take on new clients and what you do that, that does make, um, you know, your process unique as you evaluate designs, um, for, uh, you know, potential customers, are there any unique aspects of a specific design that you look at when you determine, you know, recommendations? Well, that's a tough one because, you know, there's so many different things out there, but I guess as a rule of thumb, the first thing, the very first thing is, can it be molded, injection molded? If it can't be, then it's obviously pretty much a dead end there and we have to say, sorry, you can't help you. But if it can be molded, then you have some things you try to look through for draft, undercuts, uh, just to make sure that the part design is sound. Uh, not to pick on some of the industrial designers out there. They're great designers and they make some really pretty parts, but, but they're <laughs> really not very moldable. So you have to work with those guys. I mean, they know CAD and they know, you know, they know how to make a pretty part, but they don't really understand how to make it work well and inexpensively. And we can make anything as expensive as anybody wants. No, I mean, that's that's a good of, thing about money. If yeah. you have it, then, you know, it gets you what you want, but yeah. it doesn't necessarily make it, make it uh, something that's usable. Right. And then you have other people that don't know CAD, they don't know injection molding whatsoever, and, and they have a napkin sketch and, and you help them bring that napkin sketch to, to a real file that we can send to a tool maker and have them build something and, and it's a product that can be made and they can market or they can do whatever they want with it. But there are some general rules that you have to follow to, to determine if it's an injection moldable. That's the word part. Yeah. Even though they might be different parts for different businesses or different reasons, they all have to go through a pretty much same scenario to determine if it can be done. And then, you know, we do that, then other things start coming into play, like how many of a year, uh, the material, the colors, and all that. And then you can start to fine-tune how you want to approach it. Sure. So what would you say if you had, um, you know, the first three recommendations or first uh, three, three elements that you look for when, look, when evaluating a design, what would they be? Well, first of all, is just the geometry of the part if there's trap steel or undercuts or you know you can design a really awesome part and it just can't be done i mean that's step one right i mean and then you start to think okay i i think i understand where this person's coming from you call them on the phone and you can you get a feel for what's important in the part what's not and then you start to send back uh, emails maybe even do files we'll do files or modify their files and say what if you did this and they can say, no, because of this. All right, well, then what if you did that? And then they say, well, that'll work. And you do that for quite a while until you get a part that is doable. Then you start doing some more of the detailed things, draft, um, parting lines, things like that. But if you can't get to that point where I can make this part for you, then, you know, then it's over, right? Yeah. Well, then it, it, you know, it stops them uh, certainly before they get started. So, um, sure. you know, that's, that's something that's, uh, 
you know, really important too, I got to believe is like, you know, also saying no sometimes, right? And, and, and explaining why, why it can't be done or why, you know, injection molding can't be the solution. Yeah, and I've been around a while and even before plastics, I was a, a metals guy and I kind of saw the writing on the wall a little bit and switched to plastics, but it, I'll tell people that hey, this is a really neat part, but you know, you should screw machine this. I'd love to take your money and I'd love to build you a tool, but this thing just screams screw machining or maybe this should be uh, gas assist molded or something we don't do. I mean, I'll, I'll tell them that too. And probably don't want to boss hear that, but sometimes I'll do that and say, you know, be happy to help you, but maybe you'll come back next time when I have something I can help you with. Yeah. As you, you know, look at um, potentially working with clients and, you know, um, potentially taking on new projects and, you know, your business development strategies at AirMed is different where, you know, there are times where you actually um, take part or uh, bear some of the risk as well. What is the actual value to a customer engaging with AirMed so early on in a, you know, potential design process or, you know, as the relationship gets started? What, what's the benefit of them starting early with AirMed? Well, less problems and speed to market. Just finishing up a project now that was pretty complex. We had, what was it, 13 injection molds, a bunch of assembly, sonic welding, and the ID guy told me, he said, you know, Rob, you asked for more changes than any other molder I've ever worked with. And I said back right away, I said, well, I'll take that as a compliment. And this project has gone off, you know, very smoothly. They had a deadline to meet and were it not for a printed circuit board problem, we would have had, we'd have had it here in this building. But there's been very little problems with sync, very little aesthetic problems. Everything fit together really well. Um, it just, instead of trying to save time in the beginning, like most, I mean, I'm sorry, I said that backwards. Instead of trying to save time at the end by beating up on the manufacturing guys, if you can get these ID guys to design the part so it can be easily tooled and reliably molded, you save all that revision time and all that, um, hey, this didn't quite work right. Uh, mm -hmm. That takes a lot more time than editing a 3D file in a little afternoon on the phone with a guy, right? So I got to send that mold out to you know, two hours away to get the tool maker to redo something. He's got to order steel. You know, he's probably got something else in his machine that we got to wait for. So if you do this up front, and it's painful for some people because they want to get going, they want to get this tool started. Well, you have their hopes and dreams on that napkin, Rob. I mean, of course they do, right? I mean, that's right. the biggest thing. You, you're, you now have, um, you know, their their whole company, you know, laid out on that on that napkin that you're trying to uh, recreate for them. Yeah, you, you can get some patience at the front end, which is harder. You can, mm -hmm. And not only do you, just, you save time, you save money, right? Because right. changing a 3D file, yeah, these ID guys get paid pretty good, but toolmakers get paid well too, and we have to redo these molds. We have transportation costs. We have to sample it again. I mean, there's, there's a lot more money to be saved toward the end than at the beginning. But when you get 13 pieces that come together and you, know, you work with material suppliers and you get the colors that they want and, and it just kind of falls into place, literally, that's where the savings and the money is 
can be made. And, you know, they had a pretty aggressive date that they wanted to hit. And we were ready. You know, the print and circuit board people kind of made a mistake that we're working on right now with them trying to help them. But it, it all worked really, really well. Great. So, you know, one of the things that you talk about is, is uh, the potential cost uh, as a consequence of not engaging early. Can you go into some detail about, uh, you know, not just cost, but other consequences that, that can arise when, you know, you're, you're kind of brought in to bail a project out or, or fix it versus participate in its, you know, in its shape and design? Yeah, I, a lot of times it's aesthetics. They wanted it to look a certain way. and It doesn't because of stink or the gay location that had to be done because you didn't think about those things. And, and even though the part is the part that they want, it just doesn't look and, and, or feel the way they wanted it to. Oh, I had something else in mind or I had a different... Uh, look in mind or different texture in mind or, or something like that. And that's, that's a lot harder to recover from or, or what they might not understand too is what often happens is they want, I forgot to tell you that this is going to see very high temperatures and come into contact with al alkalides or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's deteriorating. Well, or another big, really big one probably is UV. Oh, I forgot that this is outside and they're falling apart because the sun is what well, you should have added. You know, we could have put UV additive in there. Or, or things like that, right? And if you need to change materials, you know, every plastic shrinks at a different rate. So I can't very well design it for a shrink rate A for this material that you thought you needed. And then now we're gonna have to use material B and it shrinks differently. When the part comes out of the mold, it's gonna be a different size. So you know, that almost requires an entire new mold, right? So that's super expensive. So if you can just slow down and 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 think it through and ask questions and get other not, not just me you know, i'm not i'm not a materials expert but i know i do know material experts to help us right and if i don't know it i can we can find someone to answer your questions for you yeah that's uh real interesting in terms of how you know the questions that you have to ask ahead of time so i gotta believe that you have some sort of like audit or a questionnaire that, that folks go through ahead of time, no? Well, actually we don't because it's so different. I mean, a okay. set of questions you'd have for an implantable device that goes into your heart would be completely different than one for somebody who's making something that goes under the hood in a, in a new Dodge, right? Yeah. It, it, it'd, be, it'd be really difficult, but you know, they all start out the same though, right? They all start out, can you mold it? And can you mold it effectively and cost effectively, right? Mm -hmm. They all start that way. But then after that, they start to diverge in all these different directions of what's needed. And, you know, that under hood thing for a new truck, maybe it doesn't even care how it looks. It's gonna, never going to see it. It's just got to be tough and it's got to be black, right? Right. Okay, pretty easy. You know, or, or this thing. And these doctors, you know, they, it seems like they don't care if the stupid thing works is they just want to make it pretty. And it has a great color and are easy, you know, cause we'll do prototypes and send it out and, and oh, 10 out of 20 doctors like this one, the way it felt in their hands. Well, that's what we're going to go with. Okay. It's literally happens like that. Right. So I don't even know the questions because they're going to have 
a feedback like that. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I don't do the procedure, and if it doesn't feel good in my hands, I don't know what they're after, right? Yeah, it's, uh, that's going to make it really tough, uh, you know, as you go through and evaluate projects. Do you, do you, does your team get involved or is that stay, you know, at what level does it come to engineering versus, um, you know, where's the handoff from like sales to engineering? Well, that could be, you know, even that's great, right? Because if a guy, sales guy comes to you with a washer, he can get everything he needs, right? The sales guy can tell me, I don't even have to talk to the customer. All I need, it's that, that simple, right? But there's sometimes when pretty much you just want to just tell the sales guy, just, just give me the guy's phone number. I'll call him. You stay out of it until, you know, until we get to the next stage, right? Yeah. Because if you play that game as a kid, when you start with the, what somebody says at the end of the line, and by the time it gets to me, it's completely the opposite of what he really wanted, right? So we'll Game of telephone. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got two young daughters. That's what we play that all the time. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, telephone, that was the game. So I don't want to play, you know, get the wrong answer and put a lot of effort into something that if I had talked to the guy directly, I'd just do it right the first time. Can I can I say something about that though that's really funny that's lost on my kids now that are growing up there they're eight and ten is that the whole idea of like you know the telephone that you get a you know you have a line that connects you and you're gonna talk through it and then listen yeah. you know all they know are cell phones right so <laughs> there's like there's no line there's no that 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 whole piece of it is completely lost and it and it's funny because I gotta believe that sometimes it's lost on on um, on you know not not necessarily business development and sales but certainly on the client where they're like hey this is what i want and then you know to them it's it's transmitted immediately right there's not this like downline of you know who needs to be involved in the technical aspects that you know are are undertaken is that is that correct yeah i mean going back to the example of materials is is I'll play telephone, I guess, with the material guy, but I'll go right from the customer to my materials guy. And oftentimes, we'll just get on the phone. If I don't quite get it, we'll do a conference call with with whoever, right? He says, you know, um, I think I understand what you're saying, Mr. Customer, but I'd feel better if I got my contact on and we all talked together. Mm-hmm. And without strings and cans, it's a lot easier to do that, right? Right. <laughs> So what's the most common update that you have to recommend when you get a design in from a client or, uh, you know, or even an existing customer that, you know, is doing repeat business? Mm. Well, it's usually just the, the finer points of design, like even wall thicknesses, not making your ribs too thick for sink. Cause it seems like mostly people are more uptight about, aesthetics and colors than dimensions you know fit form and function seems to take a back seat nowadays in today's world than functionality kind of tough for engineers to, to accept that but it seems like we need to focus more on how to make it look good and some oftentimes and we can make it better and still look good you know with the proper design make it stronger make it less chunky so it has a shorter cycle time so it's less expensive to mold and it uses less material so um it's and it can be hard to get that across sometimes that um it doesn't look quite the way you want it to but it'll be better it'll be stronger and it'll be cheaper mm-hmm. usually when you say cheaper you get people's attention though 
Sometimes, right? So where yeah. do you think where do you think that that comes from? You know, the the desire for aesthetics, um, and I guess would that be human factors? Um, it would come before uh, you know uh, function. I think it's just today's world, the way everything happens so fast, and everybody gets what they want almost instantaneously. If you're an old timer and used to have to wait, you know, good things come to those who wait. Like Graham said, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore, right? People don't believe that anymore. So do you uh, work with them on that uh, patience and establishing, you know, not just timelines, but also expectations? Yeah. You know, the expectations is difficult sometimes because nothing happens fast enough nowadays, you know, and steel needs time to develop and a design needs time to develop and to, but, if it's done right, you only have to do it once, right? Right. So when you go back and identify adjustments that need to be made, or there are concerns with, uh, you know, a, a, a file or form or function or even aesthetics, um, do you ever make the changes to the CAD files or does that go back to the customer to update, you know, once you say, well, it'll fit, fit within these dimensions and this is what we need. How do, how do you, how do you go back and forth with a, with a client on that? Well, there's a lot of tools. You can, if it's simple, you can just take a screenshot of it and say, change this to that. Um, we use other CAD tools like e-drawings and have notes and arrows. As it gets more complex, I found it's easier. I'll just do the do the change on their 3D file and send it to them and said, see, you know, check that out, see how this is like this. What do you think of that? And so it depends on the complexity, but I have no problem with altering their design. Because you know, I make sure they know that you know the spot I'm sending you is I messed with it and it's not your file, but I did it so you could take a look at because it's too hard sometimes to explain what you want to do with words and over email, right? So oftentimes it's faster and much easier just to make the change yourself. And sometimes even you'll start the part design over from scratch because you know there's so many CAD systems out there and, and translations get errors and it's difficult sometimes to alter things in the format that you're given. You know, we're not interested in doing 30 hours of CAD work, but if it's you know, what a couple hours start over and say, now that this is laid out this way, we can make these changes easily and, and we can send this back and forth to each other. I'll do that too. And, um, and we can quote that sometimes if it's a big deal, you know, lots and lots of time. And if it's something pretty easy, just a few hours or we'll just do it for a guy or a girl. Sure. It doesn't matter. Yep. The thought is that injection molding is is easier and faster. Is that something that you have to overcome? You know, when you when uh, you're working with a, a project and you identify some some of those faults. Mm. I don't know if I quite understand your question. To be honest. So if somebody's coming to you and they have their napkin and they say, "Hey, you know, we want um, we want to start printing." Uh, you know, a hundred thousand of these a week. Um, it, is the expectation, you know, something that this will turn around uh, quickly because of the, 
you know, because of the nature of the, of the industry versus if they've got to go in and manufacture each piece individually instead of it going down, uh, you know, a press? Yeah, I think if I understand right is, is, yeah, we can make a hundred thousand a week if we do the right size of tool and the number of cavities and, but the faster and the less expensive, the longer it takes to get there. Um, how do you explain it? Um, if you want to make a couple of parts, so, you know, in a, well, it's kind of hard because, well, how about this? You know, you can build a, a two door sedan pretty quickly. You know, it's not going to be the most elegant thing, but you, it'll get you to work or get you to the grocery store. Right. But if you're looking for a Lamborghini or a BMW or something like that, you know, we're going to need more time. You're going to need more money. You're going to get to the store in style, get to work in style, but you're going to have to be a little more patient because one of those only rolls off the assembly line, whatever, every 90 days. But right. those indoor sedans, you know, maybe they make one of those in 30 days. So it's like it's like life, you know, there's trade-offs. For everything you get, you kind of have to give something up and mm -hmm. you have to decide what's most important. And we try to lay that out for them as best we can. If, if you go this route, you get this, but you're going to give up that. Right. Right. So what are the two things that you would tell, you know, that you wish every, every new client um, knew about the process or, or that you could impart on them prior to engaging in a project? You get what you pay for. That's been the <laughs> same. That's been true since the beginning of time. Right. I mean, yeah. you can go, you can go all over the world now and get this done and you can get it done inexpensively, but it's, you always get what you pay for. Um, hang on, I gotta, I gotta take care of one real thing. Hit the pause button there. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you get, I can pick on people here, but you get purchasing agents or, or managers drive up, to the building in a Lexus or a BMW and they sit in the conference room and they, they try to tell you that why well, get this mold done somewhere else in the world for half the price of what you just said. It would just be nice to ask them, well, you, why don't you drive a, a Yugo or a smart car? You know, apparently you understand the value of money on your own personal ride that you took here why would it be any different in, in this industry? You know, you saw the value in this Lexus that you bought, right? Why is an injection mold anything different? You know, there's cheap steels, there's, there's garbage components. It's, you get what you pay for, you know, I would, it's just life, right? <laughs> it's too bad that they don't get it. We can make cheap too. I mean, but when you have cheap, you have to have, lowered expectations, right? I mean, that Yugo is going to be a pretty bumpy ride into, into work, right? Compared to that Lexus that got you there. Um, we can use low-end steels. We can use, you know, we can make it as cheap as you want. But again, you're going to give something up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you take quality over quantity most days of the week. So, uh, Rob, I think uh, you've done great today. Thank you so much for, for joining me. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Navigating Design and Manufacturing with host Justin Starberg. To listen to more episodes of this podcast, go to airmed-devices.com. That's airmed-devices.com. Be sure to share on LinkedIn and Twitter to help folks just like you learn more about the world of design and manufacturing. On behalf of the team at Airmed, Goddess Air, and host Justin Starberg, thank you for listening.